I watched last night a horror movie about possession and demons. It's called uh, The Crucifixion. It's pretty good. It takes place in Romania. Really not bad at all. Uh, pretty well done. And I, I got thinking about how popular demons are in horror movies. Uh, ever since 1973, The Exorcist, the original one, came out. Now, that was before my time. I didn't see it in cinemas. I saw it, you know, uh, recorded, uh, streaming, whatever. But uh, audiences watching it in the cinemas were vomiting the aisles, passing out, running out of the cinema. And this is real. There are reports, like news reports on this. That really happened. So it's like... Um, it was just so shocking, you know, so defiling when people saw that for the first time. Ever since then, demons and possessions have been popular topics of horror movies. And after all, don't we all really kind of fear that thing in the closet at night? What is it? What could it be? Welcome to Fangs and Folklore. I'm your host, Matthew Miller, expert in all things paranormal. We're here in the Fangs and Folklore studios in the uh, basement of the Haunted Castle in the Enchanted Forest with my brick wall behind me that I... I've decided is rust, and we're going to leave it at that. Now, um, here's the deal. First of all, I'm a horror writer. I write horror novels. Uh, check out my books on Amazon. Here's uh, uh, the first one. It's called Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story. Uh, and it's a six-part series about a punk rock band who suck at music, but uh, pretty good at fighting monsters. And it's horror comedy, super entertaining. They're all available paperback, Kindle, audiobook format. So scan this QR code right here, and it'll take you right to the books. They're on Amazon. Real quickly, um, I've signed up for Buy Me a Coffee. It's like Patreon. It's a way for people who support local independent artists like me, a writer and a podcaster, uh, support me by buying me a coffee. Five bucks. Go click. Boom. Done. Or if you want to sign up for monthly, uh, you know, monthly subscription, you get free books and perks like that. So check it out. Here's the QR code. Just scan that. Now that that is out of the way, we are talking about demons. Oh my goodness. This will be the third and last episode on the hierarchy of European Christian demons before we move on next time to uh, Jewish and uh, Islamic and Hindu demons. I also might do a special report. There's, there's a very recent um, whistleblower in the Department of Defense or in the Navy, one of the two, uh, in intelligence who swears that there are UFOs that were covered by the DOD and non-human pilots. We're going to take a look at that. It's kind of shocking news, but I might do a special edition for that, but I'm going to keep going with demons. Okay, so let's take a look tonight at a pretty long and complex ranking of demons, uh, that of Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa von Nettisheim. And as you might guess, he was German, lived in 1486 to 1535, placing him squarely in the, uh, the late Middle Ages. He was a, get this, a doctor, a legal a lawyer, a soldier, a theologian, and a cultist, a busy guy. He sounds very much like Faust. If you know the story of Faust, it was written by Marlowe, Goethe, a couple other people. It's a traditional story, German lore, about this guy, this doctor who studied everything. Imagine a degree, a PhD in everything. And he's bored. He says, I'm just as stupid as I was before. I'm just as dull as I was before. It's all pointless. Makes a deal with the devil. The devil shows him all this fantastic world, you know, beautiful wine, women's song, all this great civilizations of mankind, hidden knowledge in exchange for his soul. He takes the deal, lives a great life at the end. Demons come in and tear him apart and steal his soul. So, a lesson there. All right. So this Agrippa, we'll call him to say, pronouncing his long Germanic name, divided demons into sets and rosters. A set of one demon, then the next one's two demons, next one's three demons, four, and so forth. He went one through four and six and nine. Uh, so six of them. He skipped five, seven, and eight because he based these, I think, on the numerology of the Hebrew alphabet, which is different from the English alphabet. So, all right. You ready? Let's go to hell. Um, okay, for the, for the set of one, the high-ranking one, is Lucifer. According to Agrippa, Lucifer is the prince of rebellion, prince of angels, prince of darkness. In other words, he's the boss of hell. He's the fallen angel who led the rebellion against God, according to this theology. 
And um, <clears throat> he's called the Prince of Hell. Why isn't he called the King of Hell? Because in this theology, God is the King of everything. So he's just the Prince, but he's now the Prince of Hell. So this Lucifer is basically Satan. We've seen how sometimes Lucifer is, and sometimes Lucifer and Satan are different demons, depending on who's doing the rankings. But so the highest, uh, so Lucifer is the highest demon. He is Satan at this point. All right, uh, next, the set of two. Behemoth and Leviathan. I always love these, these words, behemoth, Leviathan. They're Hebrew words. And uh, they're in the Old Testament, and they describe uh, these giant monsters. Behemoth is the land monster. Leviathan is the sea monster. And we don't know what the Hebrew words mean exactly. They've just been lost to time. And so who, what were these monsters? Were they elephants, rhinos, hippopotamus, hippopotamus, well, anyway, the hippos. Were they something else? Uh, some people even say they were dinosaurs, but that would mean that dinosaurs and humans lived simultaneously, which science has told us, at least as far as we understand now, did not happen. So behemoth is a beast of the land, leviathan of the water. But in Hebrew lore over time, they changed from beasts to demons. And I mean like extra biblical lore outside of the, old, of the Hebrew Bible. They're sometimes seen as demons. So those are the two big boy bosses, Behemoth and Leviathan, in this categorization. All right, three demon rosters. There's two of these. First is the Furies, Alecto, Megera, and I always see this, Tesiphon. I always have trouble pronouncing that Greek combination of consonants. Because these are Greek, parts of Greek mythology, the Furies. They were goddesses of vengeance upon those who committed murder and liars. And so in Agrippa's theology, these are actually demons, Christian demons. Now this is in interesting because these were pre-Christian, this is pre-Christian mythology, ancient Greece. So he kind of combines the two into one, the Greek and the Christian uh, demon demonology, which is odd, but it's something that German demonologists tended to do for some reason. All right, the other set of three is the infernal judges, Minos, Iacus, and Radamantus. Now these are also from Greek mythology. They greeted souls when the souls, when you die, you go to Hades, according to the Greeks, and these people greet you, or these, these beings. <laughs> uh, Achaeus judged European people's souls. Radamanthus judged Asian people's souls. And Minos made the final call. I wonder why, who judged the people of the Americas? Oh, the ancient Greeks didn't know that the Americas existed. Funny how sometimes religion is kind of based on the views of humans at the time, anyway. Yeah, so I don't know who uh, the Native Americans went to when they passed away, went to Hades. But remember that Agrippa, you know, he mixes all this, but he's an occultist. And in occultism, um, which is a study of the hidden things, things like this, dark uh, magic and so forth, demons, mixing of traditions is very common, especially in the Middle Ages. It's, no, it's no, nothing unusual. Like I said, especially among the Germans. Okay, the sets of four demons. We've done one, two, three, now we're on four. There's two of these. First, the elemental princes of devils, the four elements, uh, fire, air, water, and earth, right? So the first one, Samael, is fire, the demon of fire. He comes from Jewish lore, actually. He is um, an archangel, and his job is to accuse, seduce, destroy, and basically persecute humanity. Is he an angel or a demon? Well, he's a demon in this case, and it sounds very similar to the Christian idea of Satan, doesn't it? Samael and Satan, I wonder. Next, the demon of the air is Azazel. Now, this is interesting. In Old Testament times, Azazel was associated with the scapegoat. Uh, the scapegoat. So here's how this works. You've probably heard the name scapegoat in English. It's an idiom, right? To be a scapegoat. Well, in the Old Testament, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, 
what would happen is once a year, the sins of the people of Israel would be symbolically placed upon a goat. That goat would be sent off into the desert, and it would die. It would either, you know, be eaten by predators, it would starve, it would die of heat, exposure, whatever, you know. Uh, so that's the scapegoat. It took the sins of others. Um, and so it went to a place called Azazel, and it's kind of mysterious. We don't know really what the writers meant by that. But later, the idea of Azazel became an actual fallen angel or demon, and whose role is to uh, tempt humans with forbidden knowledge, like Faust. So yeah, so occultists, you can imagine, are attracted to Azazel, like to conjure him because they are interested in hidden knowledge. The word occultus means what's hidden, right? It means hidden knowledge. Demon of water, Azrael. Now, Azrael, by the way, was the name of Gargamel's pet cat in the Smurfs cartoon, but I guess I'm kind of aging myself by saying that. But if you're a Smurfs fan, you know <laughs> Azrael. But I digress. Azrael is actually the demon of water and the angel of death, the de reaper, the destroying angel in the Bible, the one that kills, the one that uh, when the Hebrews painted the blood, lamb's blood on their doors so that the avenging, destroying angel of God wouldn't kill their firstborn in Egypt, this was him. According to Agrippa, he's an, uh, uh, a demon, not an angel. And then finally, earth, the element of earth, this is Mahazael. Not much is known about Mahazael, but the name apparently in some traditions means the devourer, which is interesting because Hebrew afterlife, Sheol, is called a devourer in the ancient in the ancient forms. It's a devourer because the earth devours the dead, both literally, like you go into the grave, and figuratively, it takes your spirit down. So Mahazael, being the demon of the earth, makes sense, right? The earth devours the dead, so he's kind of a demon of death. All right, the four uh, directions, east, west, north, and south, each have a demon, according to Agrippa. Oriens, Oriens rules the east. Oriens is Latin for east, so we don't know too much about who that is. Paimon rules the west. Paimon is very dedicated to being Lucifer. He's Lucifer's bitch, basically. Uh, he's a demonic king, not, like, not a king of hell, but a king of demons, which means that he rules over many, many other demons and is very high-ranking, just right under Lucifer himself. He rules the west. Egin, or Egin, Egin, E-G-Y-N, rules the north. He tempts people with wealth. Um, when summoned, he can also revive the dead, bring them back to life. He can give, allow you to communicate with spirits, and he can reveal deception and lying. If someone is deceiving you, he'll reveal it. But he also doesn't like human company, kind of relate to that. He shuns humans. So if you summon him, prepare for him to be majorly pissed. Make sure your magic circle is strong to keep him out. All right, so Amaimon rules the south, or Amaimon. He's a prince of hell. He's special because he's the only demon who ranks, who, who can control the demon Asmodei. Uh, Amaimon has a particular quirk that appears in just about all the references to him, that when, you, when the magician summons him, that magician had better stand up and take his hat off and bow, or else Amaimon's going to be really pissed and is going to destroy the magician and all of his work. So he's kind of an arrogant SOB, isn't he? Okay, so those are the four. Now he skip, Agrippa skips five, and he goes right to six. So there's the scale of six. Acteos, Megalesios, Ormenos, Lucos, Nikon, and Mimon. These are actually um, six demons that control natural disasters, floods, wildfires, earthquakes, here in Louisiana, hurricanes, things like that. These demons are actually the names of, uh, traditional names of Telkines, who are Greek people who lived on the island of Rhodes. But there was a superstition about Rhodesians that they were, um, they were very magical and supernatural and even sometimes were, were really angels and demons, or demons actually. 
So they cross between humans and demons, which I think is interesting. Once again, notice that Agrippa has a thing for Greek mythology. Finally, this, the nine, the group of nine demons. Most of these I've already talked about already, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on them. But uh, these demons, each one controls lower demons who are responsible for something. Okay, so let me talk about these a minute. Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. Beelzebub controls demons who take on the, the roles of false gods. Remember in uh, Hebrew uh, tradition and Christian tradition, the gods of other peoples are actually demons. So I think of a good example is um, uh, Moloch, the god of the Ammonites, who required child human sacrifice. He was seen as a demon to the Hebrews, but he, to, the, to the Ammonites, he was a, uh, a god. Okay, we have Python, the spirit of lying. That's why snakes are called pythons. Snakes are deceivers, right? Like the in the Garden of Eden. So he controls demons who who control lying. Belial, he controls demons who are instruments of iniquity and wrath. In other words, anger, destruction, and injustice. Asmodeus, that's a cool name, isn't it? The revengers of wickedness. So he would control like the Furies, the vengeance demons, vengeance demons. Satan. Again, here, Satan, is he Lucifer? Is he someone else? It's kind of hard to tell. So Agrippa seems to make him Satan first. Now he seems to be someone different than Lucifer. But it's hard to tell in a lot of these hierarchies. He controls demons who are deluders, who trick people, and who imitate miracles. If you know the story of the Exodus, remember Moses was able to do a miracle of throwing his staff down and became a snake. The Egyptian court magicians replicated it. So he is, uh, Satan would be behind that, according to Agrippa. Uh, Merihem, or Merihem, uh, he controls, this demon controls demons of aerial powers, aerial demons, demons of the air. Abaddon, Abaddon, he controls the Furies, which is interesting because we just said that the Asmodeus controls the Furies, but I guess Abaddon does too. Again, we're talking about a medieval mind here. Demons that sow mischief and the Furies, okay? Astaroth. Um, he controls demons who accuse people and like like falsely accuse and uh, question people inquisitors. So he might say, as a German, I wonder if he if Agrippa was referring to the medieval Inquisition and kind of taking a jab at the inquisitors there. Anyway, and then finally, Mammon, Mammon, Mammon is the demon of money. He also is a demon of uh, controls the tempters and ensnarers. So those who tempt people with money and ensnare them in that wealth. All right, whew, it's a long hierarchy of demons by Agrippa. So you can't really top that, can you? I mean, that's pretty complicated. It's just so perfectly medieval. What do I mean by that? It's unnecessarily complicated. It's completely, to me, irrational and random. Why is he dividing demons this way? Some of them have two roles, some of them share a role, some of them are Greek, some of them are Hebrew. It's really weird. It draws from multiple sources, some of which are pre-Christian. Seems more interested in form over function, like the importance of that each set of numbers, one, two, three, four, is almost more important than the logic of the demons in those sets. It's, 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 uh, and it's different from other categorizations of demons. It's so medieval. Now, part of Fangs and Folklore, what we want to do here is not just talk about horror and things like this, but go into more depth. Talk about what they mean to the human condition. Why do we have these beliefs and lores in, in humanity? So this, uh, this Christian demon, this, this obsession with ranking in demons in the hierarchies in European Christians in the Middle Ages illustrates a thing or two about the medieval mindset. And I want to talk about that for just a moment, especially how medieval theologians thought what was important to them. 
First, the incessant urge to categorize and classify things. That's pretty obvious, right? They want to classify everything, even demons. And I think perhaps this comes from the fact that the European medieval political world was so unstable and chaotic, nothing stable in their lives. And so categorizing things was a way for them to try to take back control of their lives, right? If you can control something, even if it's demons in your mind, then you feel like you have some control when in reality they had no control in the political world. Next, no detail is too small. The theologians of the Middle Ages love to debate the most things to us, things that to us seem the most ridiculous and pointless. Like they argued over whether Christ used the bathroom. Uh, if he did, what happened to his urine? Was it holy? Was it preserved? They argued how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. That's a real thing. You've heard that before, I'm sure. They argued this, debated this. We would say, what a waste. What does it even matter? This speaks to the fact that the church in the Middle Ages in Europe had absolute control over people's lives, their world. Their entire worldview rested upon the Christian view, and so if, if even one minute part of that fell, the whole thing would come tumbling down, all of medieval society, which would be totally unstable. So they worried about things like that. They had a firm belief in the, uh, in the supernatural, right? That's pretty obvious. Most medieval people believed in the supernatural. Angels, demons, spirits, good spirits, bad spirits, fairies, you know, all sorts of things like that. They really believed this. And they believed that these spirits or the spirit world directly influenced their lives every single day. Uh, the, the milk is sour, it's, it's a bad spirit doing that to you. Uh, I prospered today in business, it was an angel watching over me, something like that. Again, I see this as a way for medieval people to believe that there was some kind of reason for the things that happened to them. In a world that was so chaotic and unstable politically uh, um, and socially, they, you know, having a reason for things made them feel better. We still do this today, right? It's, it's better to think there's a reason for things happening than that the universe is just a random, arbitrary, cold, you know, non-thinking entity, right? So medieval people did the same thing. All right, next time we're going to dive right into Jewish demons. So um, let me know what you think about uh, this Agrippa's of, categorization of demons. Shoot me an email. I'm going to flash my email up upon the screen. Also, um, comment here on YouTube. Um, so thanks for watching, and as always, sleep well if you can. Um.